0: Love Talk Radio.
1: the Dr. Karen Can Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Kahn, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. If you don't have a copy of my book, you can get the first six chapters as a free download on my website, www.karencan. Dot com And you'll also, if you put your name and email address in there, I'll send you that download link, as well as access to five of my Fast Track Your Healing online webinar classes absolutely free, so you can get started with your own self-healing and self-healing journey. So happy to connect with you. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all those great social media, but mostly I do Facebook, to be perfectly honest. Um, and today's topic is seemingly controversial, meaning that there's a lot of people out uh, there uh, in the public either for or against uh uh, vaccinations and what does that have to do with autism and so-called evidence, you know, saying that it isn't linked or it is linked. Um, but really, the issue is about mercury in our vaccinations. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I just recently watched the film Trace Amounts, wonderfully done documentary about thimerosal, the mercury in our vaccines, as well as some, you know, mercury in our environment. And just why is it that we have mercury in our vaccines? Like, Sometimes people get so mixed up and embroiled in this, you know, should or shouldn't we vaccinate our children, and da 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 da, that they forget that 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 the question why is it that we've had mercury in our vaccines? Like, what's the history behind that? Like, why do we still have it at all in the world? Um, and is it really necessary to have the vaccines that make the vaccines any better, more efficacious? Is there something else that we can use instead of it if it's not helping the, eff- the efficacy of the vaccine? So we're not really questioning whether or not vaccines work. Although we did have the interview with Dr. Tenpenny, we spoke about the flu vaccine and really debunked the effectiveness of of flu vaccines uh, over the years. She's done tons and tons of hours and hours and hours and hours of research. And just put it this way, I do not have that kind of time or wish to do that much research. So all these people do it for me, which is why I love to have them on the show and get their perspective. And today we're interviewing the director, actually, Creator of the film Trace amounts, talking about this thimerosal issue. And at the beginning, I, I had no idea that someone who was 29 years old could get that amount of mercury poisoning from one injection. So I am just like curious and also like really shocked, like wow, that somebody can get that. But thank goodness, in some ways, that some people are willing to carry that burden so that they could share with the world what's really going on. I think a lot of us, myself included have to go through some pretty nasty stuff ourselves in order for us to get inspired to help others, and I think that's exactly what happened with director Eric Gladen, who's with me today, and, uh, you know, sharing information about his movie, great stuff in there, lots of wonderful interviews, and I love it that it has, like, both sides, it's not just about, you know, it's bad, blah, 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 you know, how all these people say, well, it's really nothing, and so I love the balanced approach, so Eric, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us.
0: Oh, uh, thank you, Dr. Karen. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here.
1: Okay, awesome. Well I tell us first for people who have have not seen your film yet about what you went through personally as far as, you know, obviously inspiring you to pick up a camera and start, you know, filming and getting more information about vaccinations and vaccine injuries and so what happened to you exactly?
0: Yeah, when I was when I was twenty nine, so this is back in two thousand four. I was building my fence in my backyard and had a little mishap with a rusty nail. So, you know, I hadn't had a tetanus shot since uh, I think it was like 11 years earlier and you're supposed to have them every 10 years. So I went down to the local urgent care, got a tetanus shot, didn't think twice, and ended up getting extremely, extremely sick from that tetanus shot and went through a whole process with with a bunch of different doctors, neurologists and ear, nose and throat doctors and family doctors and you name it, um, trying to figure out... What was wrong with me? I mean, I had major neurological symptoms. I had um, psychological symptoms. I had um, basically went into a, a very desperate uh, sick state. And um, to make a long story short, it was pinned down to the thimerosal and the tetanus shot that I got. You know, thimerosal is a mercury-based preservative. It's only in the, the vaccines to allow big pharmaceutical companies to be lazy and unsterile during the manufacturing and gives them a very cheap option for, uh, for shelf life. And really has nothing to do with the efficacy of the vaccine. That's the biggest tragedy of all of this. If if our theory is right that it is, you know, a major cause to the autism epidemic, that's the biggest tragedy. Is it doesn't even need to be in there. It's literally just in there to save money. And um, once I went through a process, you know, I found uh, a PhD in chemistry from Princeton, um, really smart guy in in regards to mercury poisoning, and he had written a book as far you know about how to recover from it safely because it can be dangerous if you try to move the mercury around too fast got a hold of him and he got me to a right uh, the right specialist that knew how to remove the mercury from my body and brain and literally within a few months all my symptoms were gone but and that didn't that wasn't the end of it I you know I um still kind of just wanted to pretend that didn't that experience didn't happen and then a year later um after being completely better for a year i ended up getting an ex- exposure at work to fluorescent light bulbs that somebody had broke and shattered right next to me and i had no idea that there's mercury vapors you can't see or smell them in those bulbs but when you break it the bolt you know the mercury can can uh expose the entire room and um and ended up getting sick again so that's wow. when it prompted me you know what's going on i knew it was my kryptonite and I thought maybe I'm just the one in a million, but as I kept watching the news and seeing them talk about thimerosal and autism, I, I it really kind of piqued my interest to start researching it more. And once I researched autism, I, I couldn't stop. And that's what kind of stemmed the whole making of the film.
1: Mm, wow. Well, thank you for having to, you know, tolerate going through all that. And when you were talking about your symptoms and you had the little cartoon on the film, I really like that um, to really give us a visual what your life was like There were parts where, you know, this cartoon was, uh, you know, you were seeing tracers, uh, and um, you said your skin was, like, you know, inflamed or itchy or had, like, this rash feeling, right?
0: Um, Yeah. And then a lot of anxiety. yeah. Yeah, the symptoms were horrendous. You know, one thing Mercury does is target targets your senses. So, you know, my vision was all distorted and... Um, I had the, the visual tracers, and the, the muscles in my eyes just hurt. So to focus on one thing and then try to focus on another it was really bad, really hard. The, the sensitivity to noise and, and ringing in my head was very disturbing. You know, I could hear literally a DVD spinning in a DVD player a couple of rooms down. I mean, my wow. sensitivity to noise was just, just immensely heightened all my senses. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it makes you feel like your skin's on fire. You have burning, you have itching, twitching, rashes. Um, you know, you can't hold a single thought in your head psychologically. It basically gave me the most uh, <laughs> crazy ADD and anxiety and um, inability to even really talk to people. You know, I was so um, – I, I, I almost couldn't even talk one-on-one with people. I definitely couldn't talk in, in groups. Um, it, it, it got me really bad. I mean, I started losing function, function of my legs and – um Weakness in my arms and all my extremities. And I, I could literally look down at my body and see muscles twitching all over, even in my neck and, and muscles twitching wow. in my head that I didn't even know there was muscles in, in my head. <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was really bad. It was really bad. And but, you you, know, you didn't
1: actually yeah. say it, but it, it that one part of the cartoon, it's it, it shows you reaching on the other side of a door and grabbing a gun. <laughs> so what was that about? Oh, yeah. Well, you know,
0: Mercury by itself, and I was well aware of this, as I started researching the symptoms and what Mercury can do yeah, Mercury by itself will induce suicidal tendencies. And then you add all your crazy physical and psychological symptoms on top of that. And it was, you know, it's it's a very possible option when, when you're in that type of state, it's it's literally an almost unlivable state. I mean, I was kind of living second by second. It was, it was the most tormenting thing. I, I never could have imagined that you could even be put into that state on this planet. I mean, that's how bad it was. So Wow, you know, suicide is always a, a, looks good when something like that's going on. Let's put it that way. Even though I'm glad, obviously that didn't happen, but it it, 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 it was something that I found comfort in knowing at any moment I could put myself out of this unlivable state.
1: Mhm. hmm Well, wow, it just shows us how severe it is. I mean, I've I've been there personally, um, and uh, I understand to some extent how that feels to be just, like, pushed up against the wall and not feeling like there's anywhere to turn. So thank you for being so, you know, transparent. And on the other mm-hmm. side of the coin, there was that part of you that said you got – something got better, at least for a while, like your, your um, mental processing with math, or I was trying to understand that piece was, like, your – some parts of your brain actually worked better? Is that possible?
0: Well, the way the symptoms kick in, the, so when you get a single exposure to mercury, it takes, you know, about three months for all the symptoms to, to kick in. You know, you'll get symptoms oh, okay. starting right away. You know, right away I came down with flu-like symptoms. That was my initial reaction to that tennis shot. I came down like I felt like I got the flu. And then that kind of lingered on, and then I snapped out of that. Then I started becoming nauseous and having more like um you know nausea symptoms and and throwing up and that kind of stuff and and then you know i started developing the shakiness of my hands when i'm putting toothpaste on my toothbrush and and then i started you know feeling like i was gonna faint when i got out of my truck you know just walking out of my truck to go back into my house or whatever and all these weird symptoms started kicking in that i just really put off to stress you know my job's really stressful i you know, that's causing the shakiness and the, the dizziness and all that kind of stuff. And But as, you know, then the, the hearing sensitivity started kicking in and the the, the the light sensitivity. But also at the same time, you got to understand when mercury is injected into you as an organic ethyl mercury, That can, organic mercury can cross any membrane, go right into the brain. And then your body deethylates it into an inorganic form of mercury that locks in and cannot cross back out. And that inorganic form is shown in animal studies to induce inflammation. So it basically stimulates areas of your brain. So imagine stimulating and inflaming areas of your brain that you're not supposed to be using at, at any given time. And imagine potential and consequences of what that could do. Well, I'm a pretty big believer that, um, you know, savants, children with, that, that are savants, autistic children that are savants, you know, what's going on? Why do they have all these crazy special um you know, skills that that a lot of them can do. Well, if you're inflaming areas of your brain with a major neurotoxin, of course there's, there's going to be that potential. And I I as I started getting sick, but before I, I thought I was actually sick, but as things slowly kicked in, I I felt like I went from a, a fairly intelligent person to a, I probably almost went to a genius state within a few weeks. I mean, I felt like hmm. I, I could solve any problem. I'd come out of meetings. I was building – you know, major um, pharmaceutical buildings and manufacturing suites where they actually make drugs and these are insanely complicated. Major process piping, process instrumentation and control and I'd walk into those meetings and I would know everything. Everything everybody knew in that meeting, I would know it all. All the different wow. specialties. And, you know, I'd walk out of the meeting and people would be like, what the heck has happened to you? I mean, <laughs> there was crazy things going on and I knew there was crazy things going on and, and, and at that point I was like, man, this is great. This is this is amazing, and then I would go home and just kind of explore my brain in my bedroom for hours because I knew there was all this stuff going on in there. It's it's it, it's a lot to take and a lot to understand, and it sounds ridiculous, but it's it's uh you know it's, it's the experience that happened, and it's also very similar to what um, you know some of the special skills that other people have that are affected by mercury as well.
1: Mm -hmm, Like that, the movie The Rain Man in the 80s, which brought autism kind of to the forefront. And, you know, people, you know, it wasn't a daily word that we'd even understand normally until we saw that movie. It was like, what's that? You know, it it sort of brought awareness to it. Yeah. So that's kind of like what you were going through in a very short period of time. Um, And it sounds to me, too, uh, that the whole, you know, autism spectrum, like they always argue like, why, you know, not everybody, like, you know, almost all kids are vaccinated. So why don't all kids have, you know, autism? And, you know, I kind of say, like, well, you might have a family history of diabetes. And why does not everybody in your family have diabetes? Well, it depends on your environment. You know, if you're susceptible for diabetes in your family line, yeah, you're probably higher, you know, risk of getting it. And if you Continue to eat bonbons and, you know, sit on your couch and eat toxic food all the day or whatever, um, you're probably going to get diabetes a lot faster than your sibling who might be, you know, a yoga instructor who eats organic, who, you know, keeps their weight down and who meditates, yeah. uh, even though you have a similar genetic potential. And even I think you mentioned twin studies in your film at some point that um, – or well, anyway, somewhere I read that sometimes – you know even with genetically identical people that if their environment is different they'll manifest different issues so it makes sense to me that you know that if the autistic kids have problems uh processing mercury we talked you talked a little bit about that glutathione you know making the glutathione those pathways um that having mm-hmm. the mercury there for those kids or those people adults um they're going to have much difficulty being able to get rid of it
0: yeah yeah in fact when, that's a very common question that i get is well, if all children get vaccinated, why aren't they all autistic? Well, we know why. You know, it's kind of like smoking and lung cancer. We know and there's no there's no question that smoking causes lung cancer, but we don't know what makes some people susceptible and get lung cancer and the, the others don't. That that is not a question that's been answered. Well, with mercury and autism, we do have the answer. We know why some kids get hit and some children don't. And it's the, you know, there's there's mutations in the MTHFR gene, there's mutations in the CBS enzyme there's specific mutations in, within the methylation and transalphoration pathways, and both those pathways, the, the end result is the production of glutathione. And so these children, children with autism, have lower levels of glutathione, and they're the ones that are susceptible. So if you take two children, given the exact identical shots and exact mercury exposures, if one child has lower glutathione than the other child, the one with lower, lower glutathione is going to be the one that's more susceptible and could easily become autistic when the other one doesn't. So, I mean, we know what, and and there's much more to it. I mean, we've got it pegged down, biochemically, we've got it pegged literally down to the genetic mutations, down to the cell, everything. Everything is, at this point, after 10 years of making this film, there's not one factor in autism that is not explained by mercury. I'm talking low sulfates. I'm talking why it started Mm. in 1931, why it started increasing in 1989 why some are born with it, some regress, why they have the exact symptoms they do, why we're reliving identical tragedy of the past. Everything is proven. There's not one factor that's not proven. I'm talking even leaky gut and systemic candida and the gluten and casein sensitivities. Everything can be pinpointed down down to mercury as being the primary cause of the epidemic. There's other things, I believe, that are playing secondary roles and making them much more sick. But as far as why we've got this huge explosion of autism epidemic, I believe, personally, that it's mercury in the vaccines and mercury in the environment. No one really factors in the mercury environment because that is playing an astronomical role right now. And the ex- those Right, and it's not being measured because,
1: I mean, everybody, you know, is in a different environment. You, it's difficult uh, epidemiologically, I suppose to measure yeah. um, that. And and one of the things I really loved is how you showed in the film, which isn't in a lot of films, you'd have to kind of search for it, is the, um, the I guess, or I can't remember where the study was, but, you know, in the microscope, they were using the nerve cells of what it was, was a snail or something? Um, that was, really, was yeah. pretty big, so you could see it in the microscope. And then they thought, well, let's put some so-called toxins near this, nerve cell and see what happens, so they put aluminum near it, and it didn't really do very much, Um, didn't seem to be all that damaging, but then they put the mercury uh, near the nerve cell, and you see, like, live, that nerve cell literally dying in front of you, that was profound, I mean, and then when you put the two together, it was even worse.
0: Yeah, and aluminum and mercury have uh, very synergistic, so, um, you know, when you add the two together, which... A lot of these vaccines had mercury, also had aluminum, so it's a very synergistic effect. And in fact, the MSDS, the Material Safety Data Sheet for Thimerosal, says never combine with aluminum.
1: So I mean, these, and they do you know, that CC anyway,
0: literally. Yeah, they have no clue what they're doing. Literally, oh no gosh. clue. They, it's been gross negligence up until 1999, and in the film you see that that's when they figured out through the Freedom of Information Act, we got all their emails and closed door meeting transcripts. They figured out the cause of autism in November of 1999. And up to that point, it was significant gross negligence. They just had no clue. They didn't do the math. They just added all these vaccines after the 1986 act that removed all liability from pharmaceutical companies. They added all these vaccines with mercury in them. Never did the math until six years later. Once they did the math, they freaked out, and they already had a major epidemic on their hands. So we know that they know what the cause of autism is. We know what the cause of autism is. And the science has matured and developed so much since then, it's literally proven down to the cell. And historically, down to 1931, and you even look at um, Asperger's. So Asperger's is basically autism, but less severe. It's it's verbal autism for the most part. And mm-hmm. Hans Asperger, Asperger's in Vienna, you know, he coined the term Asperger's right around or, or the condition. You know, discovered it in, in Vienna, Virginia or Vienna, Austria, um, around the same time that Leo Connor did his paper on autism around 43. And the funny thing is, in '31, the U.S. started using thimerosal in DTP shots here, and, and uh, gave them to the children very early in life. I, I want to say two months or very early in life. And in Austria, they started using thimerosal in their vaccines around the same time in '31, but they started giving them, you know, at one or two years old. Hence, both conditions started at the exact same time when they started using thimerosal, but one was less severe because they waited a year or two before they gave the exposures to the children. So, I mean, historically, it's historically the case is bomb-proof. Scientifically, the case is bomb-proof. The only problem we're facing is the organizations that are in place to protect us and our children are the ones that have caused this disaster, and they they are under, um, you know, a, a major propaganda um uh, process to re- you know resolve their liability and their the financial they've got at stake. I mean it's incredible what they've done over time after they figured it out to cover it up rather than do what was right for every child in this country and this planet. If you want to say.
1: So is it possible for our parents to sue drug companies for negligence and and knowing all this stuff? Uh, Why not? Well, no. I mean in,
0: in 1986, you know the 19 1986 Vaccine Act. Um, you know, drug companies were coming to Congress saying they're going to stop making vaccines. And so Congress stepped in because of all the damage that they were causing. So Congress stepped in and, and basically created the uh, Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, which took away all liability from drug companies in regards to vaccines. You know, that, that doesn't happen anywhere. I mean, car manufacturers, they have liability. Everyone has liability for their product. You're not going to make millions and billions of dollars and not have any liability for your product. Well, that's what's happening right now. They are profiting billions, if not trillions of dollars on vaccines and have zero liability. The liability is passed down to us, taxpayers, because every vaccine we take, there's a surcharge put onto it, and that's put into a pot. So any child who gets brain damaged or dies from vaccines, which we know happens, that's why they created this, um, is paid out through this taxpayer-funded account instead of big pharma. So they're they're laughing all the way to the bank. And since 1986... They've had zero incentive to make these vaccines safer because guess what? There's no liability at stake. Why would they want to put any time or money into safety or or identifying what makes some children more susceptible to vaccine injury than others? There's no money going to either of those things because all liability was put aside, and us who are being damaged are the ones paying for the damage through through taxes. It's, uh, Hmm. It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty suspicious. And tell us about that—that—that um, that, that which I was not aware of. The whole Homeland Security, you know, after 9/11, that that rider was introduced into that bill, and everybody wanted this bill passed because they were so afraid of the terrorists. Something had to be done. And can you can you tell us a little bit more about what that was about?
0: Yeah, I mean, by this time, you know, by 2001, the government knew, CDC knew, FDA knew what was causing autism. So in 2001 when you know the terrorists hit the World Trade you know World Trade Center towers and and we had the big terrorist attack you know they Bush created the homeland security um division homeland security act and signed it into law in 2002 well this was to protect us from terrorism and but others saw this as a perfect op- opportunity to slip in this one little line into this huge homeland security act that would protect Eli Lilly from anybody who got affected by thimerosal. So they slipped it in at the last minute, at midnight, the day before it was signed. No one knew it. it wasn't discussed, you know, in the, in the House or the Senate. And um, tried to kind of sneak their way and to lose all liability from thimerosal. And sure enough, it was caught and it drew, drew major red flags. And, of course, you know, we pinned all the Bush ties to Eli Lilly. I mean, between George W. Right. Bush and his, and his father and all the ties to Eli Lilly, it was Bush that made this happen. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. And
1: wow. So who? So somebody actually caught it and said, wait, 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 wait a second. What's this doing here?
0: Oh, yeah. Somebody somebody caught it, and, I mean, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, commotion over it. You know, everyone said, we don't know who did that. We don't know who did that. The White House pointed it at uh, Bill Frist because Bill Frist had tried to put in this legislation several times, I think, to protect Eli Lilly. And Mm. it was a combination of George W. Bush and, and Bill Frist that put this in because whoever, you know, put this in had the exact verbiage that they had been trying to do for years already, you know, for at least a year or two, trying to protect Eli Lilly. So they slipped it in, and then, you know, when people read the bill and it was discovered, you know, people were furious. Congressman Dan Burton... Um, who used right, to, who, he's you saw a cool his, um, guy. <laughs> yeah, great guy, been fighting this for years and had four years of congressional hearings in the in the Government Reform and Oversight Committee and brought in the, the biggest specialists in the world to talk about this, and their final report was huge. And at the end of it said this whole epidemic could have been curtailed had they done the right safety studies on dimerosol. And, you know, it's never gone through any type of any type of safety, clinical trials or anything, because it was invented in the late 20s the one study that Eli Lilly paid an independent party to do, you know, tested on 22 terminally ill meningitis patients, and all of them ended up dying. They don't know if they died from the mercury or the meningitis, but it's pretty. Yeah,
1: like <laughs> I mean, what kind of study is that? In today's day and age, that is not an acceptable safety study. Not even close. Oh,
0: and the funny thing is I looked up safety studies on, it was either, I think it was the FDA website. It was the FDA website just a few years back trying to see what safety studies proved thimerosal was safe, and they referenced that one meningitis, de- study, oh, meningitis that's patient study where, where all 22 patients died. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> so it was grandfathered in and has never been studied. And, and you saw in the film how many studies show how insanely toxic this is. Lead and aluminum are like drinking Kool-Aid compared to thimerosal and mercury. I mean, mercury is, you know, anywhere from the scientists I've interacted with who have done bare studies on neurons in cell culture, anywhere between 1,500 to 10,000 times more toxic than lead. And to this day, we're injecting it into pregnant women every day. Today, women all over this country will be injected with 25 micrograms of mercury in a flu shot, which you'll have to weigh 551 pounds to be within the federal guideline. And that guideline is based off eating fish, which is orally ingesting methylmercury. This is an injection of ethylmercury, much, much more much more dangerous. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah, because at least with the methyl mercury, if you're eating it, I mean, you may or may not absorb all of that mercury. Exactly. But if you're injecting it, you're absorbing all of it. And like you said, it's organic, and so the form of it makes it pass into your right through the blood, you know, blood-brain barrier right away. Which oftentimes that's a protection. To toxins as this blood-brain barrier, but not to that kind of injected mercury.
0: Well, yeah, this Um, and this this is a big, this is a big point that the CDC and them love to say. Oh well, ethyl isn't like the neurotoxic methyl form of mercury that you get in fish, and they're completely wrong. I mean, they've been saying this for ten years now, and they have not been following the science. In fact, both methyl and ethyl are organic, so both cross into the blood-brain or through the blood-brain barrier into the brain. But monkey studies, several studies have shown. Once in the brain, ethyl readily converts into the inorganic form that locks in when methyl mm-hmm. takes much longer. So at the end of the day, mm. there's twice as much inorganic mercury locked in the brain from the ethyl exposed, injected mercury exposed monkeys than there is orally ingesting methyl mercury in fish. So it's much more dangerous. This is the form that will accumulate in the brain. And the CDC and them love to say that this is a safe form of mercury, which is the most preposterous thing you can
1: imagine. And they
0: also love to yeah, say that... Yeah, I didn't think there was, mercury...
1: was a safe mercury dose, really.
0: <laughs> that's laughable. That is laughable. And th- they love to claim that mercury has been removed since 1999 and the autism rates keep going up. And here oh, you just right. saw yep. the, ra- the rates increase yet again to 1 in 45, which is, isn't a study that's in sync with the other previous studies. So keep in mind, CDC does their studies every two years. Their next study will be, you know, based on the... CDC's last number was 1 in 68, which was in 2014. And in 2016, March-April time frame, we'll get the CDC's latest study, um, and we'll see what that is. The 1 in 45 number was, was different. It was similar to the 1 in 50 study that was done in 2012 or 2013 based on school children. The CDC studies are based on birth cohorts. So okay. at this moment in time, the 1 in 68 autism rate is based on children that were born in 2002. That's how far behind the time the CDC is. These are the children who not only got the fully loaded backstock of thimerosal containing vaccines, but also started getting flu shots in 2004. So this is potentially the highest exposed group yet to mercury regarding the autism Ah. rate of today. But everyone loves to say mercury has been removed and the rates keep going up year after year. Well, that, that year after year they're talking about is through the late 90s and early 2000s. We're only at 2002. We have no idea what's happened once they removed the mercury from the D-TAP, Hib, and hepatitis B. But then they started giving it in flu shots to, to pregnant women in 2004, no matter what trimester it was. And the year of the swine flu vaccine, pregnant women were given two mercury-loaded um, flu right. shots, swine flu and the seasonal flu, which has never been done before. To give a pregnant woman a mercury exposure is c- catastrophic it, it, in no way compares to giving a 10 pound baby the exposure you know a 10 pound baby has some ability to excrete it you know producing bile and urinating and sweating and growing hair and all that kind of stuff a fetus has zero ability so now take glutathione and the susceptible susceptibility out of the equation because they're all 100 susceptible susceptible because they can't excrete mercury at all so what now your you're hitting thing? all these pregnant women yeah it's insane
1: Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so that that is – I'm so glad you brought that up because, uh, yeah, when you kind of look at the, the so-called data, if it's coming out, you know, in 2014, oh, the mercury you – know, oh, sorry, the autism rate still rising. I would assume that the – because I'm not going to look through all that raw data myself. I don't have time for that. I would assume that they're talking about recent – you know, went after the mercury was, uh, you know, they got rid of most of the mercury in the childhood vaccines. And what no. you're saying is, hey, no, 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 that's, they're studying children that got the backs the, 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 the stockpile, <laughs> like they were finishing out yeah. their vaccines, right, that had mercury in it. Uh, who would want to waste that, right? Um, and mm-hmm. they added the flu shot in 2004. So we've got the biggest amount of, of um, you know, kids that have had the biggest bolus mm-hmm. of mercury, and we won't find out till later whether that's better now that they've removed the thimerosal off most of the childhood vaccines.
0: Yeah, so and it's going to be impossible to tell anyhow, just because had they fully removed the mercury, like they said, in 1999, you know, they issued a the joint statement saying it should be removed as soon as possible, but they still continue to make these vaccines with Dimercaprol in them through 2001, and back stock lasted at least through 2003, well into 2004. I saw, I saw expiration dates all the way into 2005. So I said 2003 in my film to be safe, but it's it's more than likely all the way through 2004. And the second all that was removed, they started giving flu shots to pregnant women. So this is a, a far worse exposure than what they just had resolved, because instead of giving these shots to babies who are born and can excrete it somewhat they're now giving a massive exposure to the fetus who has zero ability to excrete. And so they just did something far worse than they just corrected. But the funny thing is, you know, this is probably five, six years ago. I remember watching on TV, oh, latest autism rate came out, and the CDC says the rates have gone up this far and mercury was removed. This is the final nail in the coffin with mercury. And when I first started seeing that on the news years ago, I'm like, do they even know that the birth cohort is like – Ninety six, ninety seven. They have no idea what they're looking at because it's still the fully dosed mercury kids. And then every two years they say it again and again. Rates just went up. Mercury was removed. This is we're not even going to talk about mercury anymore. We know for a fact it's not mercury. Well, then you look at the birth cohort date of the study, and it's in the late nineties. And to this day, we're only at two thousand two. And you know, many suspect why they're thirteen years behind the times because they don't want that rate to start going down. But it probably won't go down because of what they're doing with the flu shots and with the environmental exposures going astronomically through the roof.
1: So um, in your film, you talk about how the reason the thimerosal there is for so-called preservative reasons, that there really isn't, there isn't a good reason for it to be there. And you know, why are we giving mercury to pregnant women when there are other options?
0: Oh, well, that is the great question. In fact, you know, you saw in the film some some discussions with the whistleblower, CDC whistleblowers. This is a 17, 18-year CDC senior scientist who did three of the big studies disproving a link between vaccines and autism, talking to Dr. Brian Hooker, uh, mm-hmm. saying that he was, you know, forced to manipulate the data. And then when they found relative risks between vaccines and autism, they would go into a closed room and work until they made that effect go away. And they've done this over and over and over <clears throat> and per him in these transcripts, because we asked the same question, many people suspect and I can't get myself to go there, that they did this flu shot thing because had they fully removed dimerosol, autism would have dropped substantially and we would have known the cause and they would have been standing there, you know, with their hands in the air saying, Oops. So many people suspect they did it to skew the rates, which would have which worked brilliantly. However, I can't get myself to even contemplate that they did that. That's just against my consciousness to believe that humans could do that. So, you know, I think it's complete, utter gross negligence. They just, they're so clueless. Like, they went through five years of covering it up, but, you know, the people responsible for these decisions don't know what these guys are doing. And it's literally a handful of people at the CDC that have have figured this out and went through this extensive process to, to bury it. And a lot of the rats in the you know, all, or it was the rats in the kitchen doing it or in the basement doing it when some of the higher ups didn't really know what was going on. However, what Bill Thompson, the CDC official says, or the C- CDC scientist, he says that in order for us to justify using thimerosal in developing country vaccines, so all these third-world countries are just getting annihilated with our thimerosal-contained mm-hmm. vaccines, we've never removed any mercury from their vaccines because of money. We don't want to spend the money on it. So he says in order to justify doing that, we cannot remove thimerosal from the flu shot here in America. That's his
1: Oh, thing. okay. Wow. Which is
0: horrendous. This this is horrendous. I I showed Trace amounts in, in Bangkok to the United Nations there to all the world delegates that were comp, you know that are working towards a, a mercury a global mercury treaty and a ban of all mercury and all products and sources worldwide. And the American Academy of Pediatrics and and um the World Health Organization, over by the fourth or so session, they have sessions every 10, 10 months for a week long, by the fourth or fifth session, American Kennedy Pediatrics and the World Health Organization convinced all these world delegates that dimerosol has never caused any harm and we need to use you know, dimerosol in these vaccines given to developing nations. And then I go in there and sh- at the sixth session and show all these world delegates the, the film Tracer Mouse and they were bawling, they were in an uproar because of what they were fed the lies they were told by the by the World Health Organization and the US saying there's never caused any harm we need to use it and then they watched my film and they were bawling and literally in an uproar. I felt like I had to leave the room almost because they were so up in arms they could not believe the amount of damage they saw, they couldn't believe the cover up, all the emails, they couldn't believe the the CDC scientists talking. I mean they were floored. And so we're going to go again to the next session and really tr- because they've they've excluded thimerosal from the ban and that's horrendous so there's no plan to remove thimerosal at all from developing nation vaccines so
1: even though they so saw these, the film or did that decision come before they saw the film
0: it came before so they had already oh. excluded thimerosal like um, I want to say two years before they saw the film it was already excluded oh so, I see oh, it's, it's horrendous but they can so, change that I don't know, we're trying, we're going to go fight it hard. We're trying to get to the the chairman of the whole um, agency to try to get it back in. But, you know, the U.S. and Canada basically said, if you include thimerosal in in this treaty, in this ban, we're out. And by doing so, they were able to get their way because they can't have U.S. and Canada excluded from this U.N. ban. So, I mean, the U.S. has really just taken an unbelievable, unbelievable stance when it comes to thimerosal and vaccines. And in fact, California is one of the better states where in two thousand six Fran Pavley introduced legislation that went through Arnold Schwarzenegger and he uh, he approved it. Sorry, I got a leaf blower blowing outside my house. Hopefully you don't hear that. Okay. <laughs> um, but they introduced legislation where they couldn't get thimerosal containing vaccines to pregnant women and, and babies. As of like oh, really? it went into effect two thousand six two thousand seven. But every almost every year they put that ban aside. Like when the swine flu vaccine came in, that, that was fully loaded with mercury. So they they set the law aside. They had to put a ban on the law in order to give thimerosal-containing swine flu vaccines to all these pregnant women. And we know what happened with pregnant women getting swine flu vaccines. The miscarriages spiked over 1,000% that one year and then went back down oh to normal gosh. trending afterward. I mean, we know thimerosal will kill fetuses in utero, and we also know thimerosal will, will cause autism if they live through the exposures. So let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but just this year again, I just saw the letter from the California American Academy of Pediatrics and somebody else that, that was did a direct request saying there's a shortage of flu vaccines and they need to be able to give thimerosal containing flu vaccines to pregnant women and babies here in California, and they approved it. And then we found out there is no shortage. We went to the, the manufacturer, the pharmaceutical manufacturers. There's no short flu shot shortage. So somebody lied
1: about them. the shortage.
0: Yep. Well, the American Psychiatrics Pediatrics and them just made that up, and they they want to be able to give pregnant women and babies in California thimerosal loaded vaccine. It's insane. So if somebody's
1: getting some sort of kickback, because otherwise, why would you recommend that?
0: More than likely, yeah. <laughs> Oregon, I or, mean, that's the only
1: logical it. explanation. Because if you're in the medical field, I mean, I used to be very naive and innocent because of who I was, and you know, wanting to you know, to you know do good by my patients and. So I think the very first documentary I watched was from the um – CCRH uh, called Marketing of Madness and about the marketing machine that has to do with psychiatry drugs. And I really thought, you know, before I watched this film, I thought, you know, they're probably going to be way over the top, and I don't know if I can believe this stuff, you know. So I was thinking, look, these are my colleagues. You know, these are doctor colleagues of mine. I can't imagine. I mean, they might make a mistake or two. But then, you know, the evidence they showed, like doctors in Congress, you know, being – uh, you know, criticized because they, they were found out because they had um, uh, had received monies that were – they didn't report tax to student. That's the only reason they found out that they received these huge sums of money for studies that they put their famous name on that they actually never did, that they actually fabricated these studies. And I was so shocked. I mean, I, I had no idea that this was actually happening in my profession. I mean, that really started me thinking, oh, my gosh, what else don't I know? Um and yeah. so, you know, yours is another wonderful film in this long line of documentaries that I've been watching, uh, to get educated because this is not showing up in my journals for sure. Who guess what? Who pays for my journals, right? I mean the pharmaceutical yep. companies. Yeah. Well, so we don't found, we don't get
0: like, exposure. I've interviewed countless MDs and PhDs and those are the ones I really targeted for years and years and years. And what I found was pediatricians were absolutely the worst. I would interview pediatricians. And they would be so adamant, so adamant, like almost furious with me that mercury and vaccines does not in any way cause autism. But guess what? They didn't know one thing. They didn't know one study. They couldn't even talk to me about one study. They didn't know what the guideline for mercury exposure was. They didn't know how much mercury were in these vaccines. They knew nothing. And I'm, when I say they, I mean every single one, not one. All they do is they they regurgitate what the C, their daddy the CDC has told them and their daddy happens to be OJ Simpson because you know we've got OJ Simpson in charge of figuring out who killed Nicole here in this in this <laughs> country we've got the CDC responsible for figuring out if their vaccine program has caused this major childhood epidemic how can, how can we allow that that's who's responsible for figuring this out and that's who's responsible for reporting all their fabricated science all these pediatricians who are on the front lines and all these other mainstream doctors who want to take this position because they're MDs and they have credibility and they're going to take a stand that this is not causing autism, yet not one of them know one study. And I guarantee, had they known one study, I would show exactly the insane major flaws and, and conflicts of interest within that study because these, the scientific studies that show no link between vaccines and autism are more fatally flawed and more conflicts of interest than tobacco science studies. I mean, that's how embarrassing these studies are. And in this case, it was millions of our tax dollars that paid for these studies, not pharmaceutical who had their own private mm. funding to pay for the studies. This is our a millions and millions of our tax dollars paid to disprove themselves. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I was just flabbergasted. And I'm really ready to ch- to do an outright challenge you know, mainstream media or mainstream medicine has gotten this wrong many times. Thalidomide, they screwed up. You know, there's yep. other tragedies. They've, they, they, they've gotten it wrong before. They've got it wrong now. And they need to be mm-hmm. challenged in a way. But they're, they're not being challenged because mainstream media is completely right. bought by big pharmaceutical companies. So how are we supposed to solve a worldwide disaster when we've got our government org- organizations that are in place to protect our children from things like this? They're the ones that have all the liability and financial at stake. And Big Pharma, of course, of course they have financial at stake. But we've got mainstream media who's protecting both of them because they're controlled by CDC and government organizations, but they're also bought by Big Pharma. Like 70% of their advertising money comes in from big pharmaceutical companies. So we've now got mainstream media and our government organizations that are all there to protect us and get the information out to us so we can protect our children completely. Covering this up or, or working against this, and and not getting getting us the right information, like trace amounts and other films and other scientific studies that show links with animals and so forth. They're not getting us any of this information because the system is completely broken. And in the meantime, our children are are left out, you know, in in, in the in the danger zone because of it.
1: Yeah, and that's why people can't see it in their news, which is what they're going to read every day or see. Well, if it, you know, the assumption is if it was important enough and it was if it was real, it would appear. in my case, in our medical journals, or it would appear on the mainstream news, and it didn't, so I guess it didn't happen.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And not only are they not
1: talking about it, but they're actively
0: pushing their science from the other side that disproves us. So they're they're actively working against Mm. us, not just censoring us, not just censoring the information to protect the children, but they're actually pushing information that puts them in more danger because they're pushing the science that's completely bogus and junk and, and uh, worthless science and, and misinformation out there that puts them even even in more harm's way because it reassures the parents there's nothing wrong here. See, here's another study that disproves this. But right. when you look at the details of the study, or see, Mercury, the rates just went up higher and mercury's been removed since 1999. There's so much misinformation. You know, I sat there and watched Anderson Cooper. He needs to be called out on this. I mean, instead of inter- interviewing me who did the film or Bobby who did the book, he interviews, interviews Dr. Dan Burton, who's been out of this for years, And, you know, he's been out of this longer than he was in it. So it's like he's not going to remember anything, and that's exactly what happened. Anderson Cooper went round and round with him, talking about the ethyl versus methyl and how ethyl's safe, and also that mercury's been removed, the rates keep going up. Those were his two huge points that he just Mm -hmm. slaughtered Dan Burton on, Mm because Dan Burton's not up to speed on all of this. So had he asked me and Bobby that, we would have crushed him. In two seconds flat, he would be gone. And if every scientific study he could have thrown out at us, he would have been gone. There's no way he could interview us. He would look like the biggest clown saying that this is okay to be exposing pregnant women to and babies to. But they won't interview people like us because they they know we know too much and they want to just go yeah, on and have an easy victory, mislead the public, and reassure them, go get your flu shots. And, you know, don't worry about them, it's safe. I mean, it's unbelievable.
1: Well, but there it's there, are, there are some flu shots that don't have... The Marisol, is that correct? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, but as long as you know how to ask for them, which, right. you know, the first ones that are going to go because they're the cheapest. There's, I did a calculation this year. There's 61 million flu shots in circulation given to pregnant women, babies, and everyone else. 61 million. Do the math. There's only 4 million pregnant women a year. 2 million of those get flu shots. So we've got 2 million pregnant women a year getting flu shots. 61 million flu shots out there. And they're not, you know... Up until this year, I know they weren't able to get flu mists before, so they've got to get an injection. I think they may have changed it, or maybe they changed the year of a child's age that can get flu mists now. But, I mean, they're all getting the injections. I mean, these are the first ones that go. The thimerosal-loaded ones are literally being pumped into pregnant women and babies.
1: So what do people ask for if they, for? I mean, I don't necessarily recommend the flu vaccine. I don't think it's that effective. Uh, I mean, the stuff that I do is much more, you know, that, that a lot of us natural doctors do is much more effective. Uh, if people want to prevent the flu, but if somebody did decide they wanted to get the flu, what should they ask for?
0: They've got to ask for a flu shot without thimerosal. So it's got to be a thimerosal free. It's going to be a preloaded, so they're not going to have to draw it. It's going to be preloaded and it's going to be in the refrigerator. It's going to be a single dose preloaded, refrigerated dose. So they'll pull it from the refrigerator, you know, unwrap it and inject it. And but if, right. and here's the other big problem is a lot of these doctors, I'm telling you, they get their they get their information from the from the news. You know, I had a, a good friend from high school who knew uh, what I was all about and doing this film, and but she still wanted to get a flu shot, which is her choice. But she asked her doctor, you know, I want to make sure that it's a thimerosal free. And, He's like, oh, yeah, that's been removed a long time ago. And she was pregnant. Uh And sure enough, she got the flu flu shot, assured that there's no mercury in it because it's been removed a long time ago. And then, like, a couple days later, she went back and asked for the insert and all that. And the doctor's like, oh, my God. The doctor didn't even know that it had 25 micrograms of mercury in it. He had the multi-dose vials. They don't even know what they're doing. They're so misled and fooled to believe that mercury's been removed. And this happens – I've heard this hundreds of times, this story, this exact story Uh – that when they ask for thimerosal free, they're like, oh, yeah, they assure them there's no thimerosal. But then they have them look at the vial and the package insert, and they're surprised. They're shocked. They're like, oh, my God, I thought they'd removed this a long time ago. And this this is happening day, every day. 61 million mm. doses still contain the full 25 micrograms.
1: Wow. It's, it's so I love your, your analogy on the film where you, you know, put in the um, the amount of mercury in this big, huge swimming pool, you know, as a relative so we can get, a, a, a you know, a visual as to yeah. what is not that it's safe, but what is considered you know the uh maximum uh acceptable exposure to mercury versus you know what we're actually or we're actually giving to our children with all these multiple doses, so if you can give um you know our audience those numbers again, I'd really appreciate it um
0: well, you know I think it's fifty fifty thousand parts per billion is what's in a a uh, vaccine that's got 25 micrograms of mercury, and I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's like 100 parts per billion is what's allowed and or considered hazardous waste. Don't quote me on that, but I want to say it's around 100 parts per billion is hazardous waste, and we're given 50,000 parts per billion in one of these shots. Mm. So I mean, it's you know, no one's ever looking at any guidelines. They're they're not looking, doing any math. I mean, they they have been renegades from day one with their vaccine program. I mean, even down to little things, like when they started um, requesting or or giving the advice to parents hey, before you bring your child in to get their shots, give them Tylenol uh, to to reduce the chances of a fever. Well, Tylenol has has acetaminophen. Yeah, Tylenol has acetaminophen, which suppresses glutathione levels. So now, parent, you just suppressed your child's glutathione, brought them in, pumped them full of mercury. And they're not able to excrete it because glutathione is the key component in a, in a child's body that binds to the mercury and excretes it. So, I mean, that's, what this, that's, that's a disaster by itself when they started recommending uh, parents do that. And, but it still ah. comes down to they have no idea any of this. And the other thing is you expose thimerosal to sunlight makes it more toxic. They don't know that either. All, this, all the thimerosal in these vaccines is, is exposed to sunlight at some point or potentially if there's a window in the doctor's office or anything like that. I mean, mm. they have no idea what they've done. They have no idea that MSDS sheet says never combine it with aluminum, and all these have aluminum mm-hmm. in, in it as well. I mean, the gross negligence is beyond anything I've ever seen. However, had they figured out their gross negligence, which they did in 99, and and went down the route of stopping this tragedy, imagine the the fate that would have been restored in the American public. Yeah, there would have been a lot of... Um, questions a lot of liabilities take a lot of financial payouts however the, the faith would have been restored in the vaccine program and we wouldn't be in the position we are today where everyone's losing faith faith in this vaccine program and it's every day it's getting worse and worse and worse and it's going to collapse because of them and the way they're handling it it's not because these parents are waking up one day and saying oh i think i'm going to be anti-vaccine today so i can get crucified right. and criticized by, by my parents in the public no they're not doing right. that they're reading the, the emails straight from the CDC that were found through the Freedom of Information Act, they're reading the transcripts, they're reading. They're listening to Bill Thompson speak, the senior CDC scientists say that they're covering this up. I mean, they're they're a lot of data. They're seeing the published studies out there by the CDC that are so fraudulent. They're reading all this data and making a wise choice to protect their child from these fraudulent, corrupt people that oversee the vaccine safety program or the safety of the vaccine program. I mean... It's anybody that, that knows how to research and comes across this information. I mean, to even put your child remotely at risk of these of these people and their actions is, is, is a scary thing. And, and the public needs to be aware of it so we can solve it. And instead of force these vaccines like they're trying to do because of this measles outbreak and all these vaccine mandates, you know, all these bills that are trying to strip vaccine exemptions away, now they're trying to just put the boot on the neck of the parents. Well... You're not getting vaccines. We're going to force you to get vaccines. Well, that's not the right way to handle it. The way you handle it is you, you you restore the faith in the vaccine program to the parents. You know, if you restore the faith, you know, more parents will will feel comfortable getting their child vaccinated, and the problem will resolve itself. But you've got to have safe vaccines. You have to have incentive to make the vaccine safer. You have to have incentive to identify even if there was milk in these vaccines. There's going to be a susceptible population that's going to React poorly to the milk. Well, guess what? This isn't Mm -hmm. milk. This is mercury. But even if there was milk, there should be money spent trying to identify who those children that are going to react to milk are, so we can protect them. And we've got none of that going on. We're just blindly one size fits all. There's going to be some that we sacrifice, but it's for the greater good. How does that? How does that make sense? It just doesn't make sense. Nothing. Well, doesn't feel good if it's
1: your child that's being sacrificed. So it takes such a strong and awake. Parent, which is hard enough to be a parent, and you're just so busy and you're tired, and like who has time, you know, to research this stuff? Which is why, thankfully, there there are wonderful films like yours that summarizes everything for those of us. And the doctors are just too busy and too ignorant, myself included, um, to really know. I had no idea there was mercury in the vaccines that I was was uh, saying. I mean, I was in charge of uh, in my. Um. um our, we had some of the best ratings of, of kids that were vaccinated because I put a whole chart together and just made sure that every, you know, that every kid that came through uh, got the vaccines yeah. they needed because that's what the, you know, American Academy yeah. family practice said that we needed to do, and we had great rates and great, you know, ratings for having our kids right. immunized, but I never once questioned that there might be something harmful in the vaccine. So, I mean, hopefully yeah. there'll be more doctors watching your wonderful movie to be able to wake up.
0: And if the systems were were fixed, you wouldn't, you shouldn't have to worry about that, you know. Yeah. You shouldn't have. Well, no, but it's still our responsibility,
1: happen. you know. I mean, it's sad, but uh, that that we, we we you know we are still responsible. We're the one at the end of the line making those recommendations. And I know there's some some uh, some uh, I think religious exemptions to vaccinations in some states, but I don't know if that's going to be taken away at some point.
0: Well, what what they're doing now is uh, Frederica Wilson out of Florida, she introduced legislation uh federal legislation, so you know we fought these bills state by state. I think there were thirty seven maybe a couple more states now that were trying to strip all these uh philosophical and um religious exemptions for the most part, they were leaving medical, but medical exemptions i mean it's almost an act of God to get one you get your child has to have AIDS or diabetes or cancer or something crazy in order to get a medical exemption. So philosophical and religious were the, the best route to go for anybody that had mm-hmm. concerns about vaccines. Well, now, you know, state by state, they're stripping those. And now there's a federal bill teed up. And all it's going to take is one little tiny outbreak like Disneyland. You know, that was the smallest epidemic ever known to man, of you know, the measles outbreak in Disneyland last year that sparked all these bills. But now they've got federal bill teed up. So this next little outbreak that's probably going to be fabricated soon enough they're going to push this federal bill through. And the federal bill ties every state in the children to the CDC's immunization schedule, which is, includes flu shots and everything, um, mm. HPV even, all these crazy oh, shots. Dear. And children would have to have everything in order to go to school or those states would lose uh, funding, federal funding. So that's the one that's the one that's coming. I saw some action on it just a couple within the last couple of days as far as it just took the next step, but I didn't. I haven't had time, I've been so busy the last couple of days, that I haven't had time to look and see what step that took. But there was all sorts of stuff on social media that it, it now entered a different phase. I want to take a look at it because that's the one that's coming. Uh, federally, they're going to try to get mandates on not only children, but there's also a plan in place by HHS to get all adults in, into this yeah, category we're as well. Yeah, we
1: concerned about that for sure. Actually, my husband was like, they're going to force us to get shots. I was yeah, like, ah. we've got to topple this. Yeah. yeah
0: we gotta get this information out to the public before at a you know fundamentally this is a they're just trying to take our rights away now i mean in California you know it's it's anti constitutional first of all because every child has a right to an education you've just now taken that away from from the smart parents who have done their research to understand the the extreme dangers right now with the program mm-hmm. and their children are going to lose an education because of it or, a uh, you know, education they're owed. They're going to have to homeschool now. But it's, it's literally unbelievable. And mm. well, even vaccine I, court, the 1986 Act, that was unconstitutional. The Seventh Amendment of the Constitution says anybody who's been damaged, I, I want to say $20 or more, it's either 20 or $25, I think it's $20, has the mm. right to a, to a trial by jury. Well, this 1986 mm. Vaccine Act took that away. Because these children who are getting brain damaged and die, which is well over twenty dollars worth of damage, they go to vaccine court now where judges, three special masters, make the call that they have no skill in you know medical or uh, mm-hmm. science or anything. They make the call if the vaccines damage the child, and they don 't have a trial by jury it 's unbelievable i mean the
1: uh, our system is definitely broken.
0: in this. It's broke. It's broke from top to bottom. We need to topple it. We need to get the information out to the public, and it's happening. Momentum's building fast, and there's a lot of things in the works to to get the information out to the public by circumventing the agencies and the mainstream media that are supposed to be protecting us we're just circumventing. Right, and we're so point.
1: grateful to people, you know, brave and courageous and committed people like you to get this information out in a way the public can digest and understand easily. Not everyone's going to pour through these papers, you know, and or have the time or desire to do that. And so you've put it together so nicely that people, parents can um can really understand it. And I mean, one of the bright good news I wanted to share with you which you probably haven't heard of um my friend's Robin Barbie from Australia. Uh, we're working with a doctor in South Africa um, who he's doing some initial pilot uh, studies on autistic children using a uh, phototherapy patch called the glutathione patch. This, um, this is an acupuncture patch from a company that I really like their stuff. And uh, I don't have any autistic kids in my practice. I mostly have adults in my practice, so I don't have any data for myself in my practice. But this doctor has been doing some research on these kids and just, You know, before and after checking their, you know, their motor skills, cognitive skills, you know, that kind of thing. And when they put this phototherapy patch on, what it does is it makes um, the person's um, cells make DNA. So you don't actually give glutathione to the person. You actually um, change the messaging in their body. So now those pathways are opening up and you start making glutathione and they showed an 85% in the initial data, 85% improvement in these children in a very short period of time. And so this is a non-toxic, non-drug, you know, non-smelly, wow. <laughs> a cheap, yeah. you know, way. Uh, if, and this is, this is you know, energy medicine. This is my specialty. And, and so this is such, they wanted to make sure that I shared that with you because they just were so thrilled, uh, you know, with the, the doctor doing the study in South Africa. I wanted to share uh, with you, the good news that there there are people working on my end here, you know, trying to help yeah, out. I mean, that's, um, that
0: sounds incredible. Is that available yet?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, called? I can give you more information on it. Um, my okay. my assistant can give you more information. But, you know, a, 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 and we can't say it treats autism because you're not allowed. It's a natural substance, the glutathione that your body makes, right? So we can only say that it helps these uh, you know, it helps detoxify the body. It uh, increases the rate of mercury exiting out of the body. That's the blood and urine studies they've done. So that's all we can make claims for. That it helps detoxify. It helps boost the immune system. We don't want to go anywhere saying it cures or treats autism because then the company would be shut down. You know how the FDA is, right? So, But so in South Africa, there's no FDA in South Africa. So that's so why they they're doing it. Pre-
0: did they do pre and post glutathione levels and they verified it boosts glutathione.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No no question. I and mean, that, that, that that part is, they did in the US, crazy. but they cannot uh they cannot safely do uh um studies on people with disease in America because of the rules of the FDA. Because you're not allowed um, to do that because otherwise you're a drug, right? You're a drug and got to go through all the drug trials but we're not a drug. It's it's I mean the the company makes these phototherapy patches and it it, it messages the body to make glutathione. So a lot of these studies are done by independent people outside of the u s because uh, the, the company understandably you know does not want to you know say not even hint that their their product cures or treats anything. So they always say with only symptoms, we're only working on symptoms and what they have actual backup you know data for, uh, they do not work on clinical stuff except for pain, pain we've done lots of studies on pain and sleep, but those are symptoms. You know, um, but we do not you know we're not touching the autism thing with a ten foot pole, you know, in terms of you know, you know saying it, but it's yeah, but it's fascinating that,
0: that, that kind of reminds me i should I should mention, um like vaccine courts the any child that's got an autism diagnosis right now will get denied because they've already confirmed vaccines do not cause autism, however, <sighs> doctors are are smarting smartening up and they're diagnosing them with symptoms like encephalopathy. And specific yes. symptoms instead of the word autism, and those same children who are identical to the ones that have the autism diagnosis are getting compensated because of their symptoms, while children who already have the autism diagnosis are getting rejected because vaccines don't cause autism. It's unbelievable. Oh, good it's, point. I good mean, point. I literally well, well, thank you for telling me that. On. Well, uh, some well information Eric, on that, it, uh, that patch, I would love to hear about it. Yeah. Sure,
1: yeah, I'd be happy to. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. Spending a whole hour, you know, with us and uh love the movie. Um, you know, we're Facebooking it and newslettering it Ooh. to everybody um that we can and uh you know we, we you know uh we're getting on your mailing list so you can let us know and you've got something else going on that you need our support for. So thank you so much and bless nice. you.
0: All right. And thank thanks you everyone so
1: much. for listening in. My pleasure. Bye for now. Thanks everyone.